Welcome to The Hammer, where we hit the nail on the head with insights from the world of Canadian renovation and custom home contracting. Now here's your host, the editor of Canadian Contractor Magazine, Patrick Flannery. Pat Flannery here. Uh, I'm joined today by uh, Michelle Throssel. She is uh, from uh, Turner and Townsend, and I'm going to get Michelle to uh, introduce herself and uh, and and tell us all uh, all about uh, her company and what they do in a minute. But um, uh, just to introduce what we're going to be talking about today, uh, I got an interesting article through from uh, from Michelle and her uh, her friend Barb uh, about uh, about integrated project management. And I read this thing, and geez, there were uh, a lot of words in there that I didn't know. Uh, and, uh, it, it was, uh, it, it, it was kind of like, oh, there sounds like there, maybe there's some new stuff in, uh, in, in, in project management, integrated project management, uh, data management, that sort of thing that, uh, might be helpful, uh, to all of you out there who are trying to keep your, your projects under control and your, your businesses organized. So, uh, wanted to get Michelle on to talk to us about all of that. So, uh, and we also have, uh, Barb Hooley uh, is with us as well, and uh, Barb, I guess you're uh, you're, you're going to be helping out uh, as well on this too. So, uh, Michelle, let's uh, let's start with you. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself and uh, Turner and Townsend. Okay. Perfect. Thank you very much, Patrick. Really appreciate the, the invitation and the opportunity to talk to you about it. Um, so yeah, my name is Michelle Throssel. I'm a director with the Turner and Townsend Business. I'm based uh, locally in Toronto. Um, my background is in project controls. So I've been doing it my entire career, 15 plus years. Um, started out in mining and minerals, natural resources, and more recently, the last sort of 10 years, um, moving more into transit and infrastructure type projects. Um, so I've worked on projects of all different sizes, kind of small, um, uh, smaller scale projects into the kind of mega projects and programs like Metrolinks here in Toronto. Um, and I also worked on Crossrail in the in the UK for uh, several years as well. Um, I joined TNT about a year ago now, um, worked around the company for many years before I joined, which is one of the reasons I joined. Um, and, and for you and our listeners who, who you know, might not know a lot about the company, um, we're a professional services consulting company. Um, we're international. We're based in across 50 uh, different countries with 10,000 people um, spread out um, uh, across those countries. Um, we work in real estate, infrastructure, and natural resources are our three main sectors that we we focus on um, and yeah our main kind of services are cost uh, project controls excuse me which is what I'm here to talk about and also project management and cost management so hopefully that's a good intro and I'll give Barb a, a chance to introduce herself and then uh, we can go from there maybe yeah that's great certainly uh, lots of uh, lots of breadth of expertise there to uh, to, to, to get into Barb uh, tell us uh, tell us a bit about yourself and uh, and your involvement Thanks, Patrick. So I'm the communications manager at Turner and Townsend uh, for the Canadian business. I've been uh, with Turner and Townsend for about a year now, and I also uh, author a report that we put out every quarter called the Canada Market Intelligence Report, which uh, provides some economic information as well as some thought leadership pieces around different topics uh just discussing anything uh that could be of interest to the construction industry primarily focusing obviously on our core aspects of project management cost management and advisory services Ooh, that's um, nice so Barb, where can people find that 
so that can be found on our website, turnerandtownsend.com. And if you just go to perspectives and sort by North America, uh, you can find the uh, Canada Market Intelligence Report there. Uh, our latest edition came out at the end of January, I believe the 31st of January or thereabouts. Uh, and that also includes a cost guide, which a lot of uh, companies look at, uh, giving approximate average square foot uh, cost for different asset types across the different Canadian markets. Uh, so that's also a popular feature of the annual report we put out every January. Oh, like that's kind January. of that's 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 maybe that's more nice for me to know about even than our than our re listeners. But that's mm -hmm. <laughs> that's that's. that's <laughs> That's that's good stuff, and, and, and you know, and uh, and uh, based on uh, uh, Turner and Townsend's uh, uh, status, you know, it's 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 not one of these things cranked out by a call center somewhere. Uh, there's a lot of scammy uh, sort of market reports flying around. Uh, you got to watch your inbox for that stuff, and uh, and uh, you know, to to know a source for some real information is kind of nice. Uh, so that's exactly. We actually have economists that uh, input into that report, as well as our experts across the business. Uh, as mentioned, we've got ten thousand people across the business in different wow. countries. Uh, so we pull on people in in Australia to the UK, obviously Canada, United States. So uh, we do have the information and the experience. It's the real thing, actual research. Real, real deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, Michelle, let's get right. Let's get right into some of the uh, some of the words that befuddled me uh, as uh, as as sure. we went along here. And, and and I don't know if that's because they're new words or just because I don't know anything about this stuff. Um, what, one thing that I ran across was um, alliancing. What what are we talking about when we're talking about alliancing? Yeah, certainly. So we're starting to see in the Canadian market, particularly in large scale infrastructure projects, um, some companies and clients moving to what's called an alliance contract. Um, and broadly what it is, is uh, a contract where multiple parties snap to it. So often a client, a contractor and a designer at sort of a minimum. Um, jointly sign up to this agreement where they are all um, sort of sharing the risk in a mutually beneficial way. Um, so fundamentally, it means if the contractor is successful from a kind of cost, health and safety schedule, all of those types of measures, um, the other parties will benefit from it as well. And, and likewise, if they're less successful, everybody feels a bit of pain. So um, everybody is maybe a little bit more contractually obliged um, to, to help each other out to be successful. Um, and it also encourages that more collaborative nature. Um, so rather than environments that sometimes we see where, you know, perhaps a client hires a contractor and says, this is your job, go go do it. Um, it's, it's really about kind of sitting around the table together, finding solutions, leveraging everybody's knowledge across these multiple parties um, to get to a hopefully more successful outcome on a project. Oh, that's kind of cool. So instead of just informally downloading all the risk to the subcontractor, they actually put it in writing and everybody is, everybody is at least understanding where the, uh, where their limits are, right? 
That's exactly true. So, so part of it is about kind of sharing the risk, as I say. Um, so it's it's not just shouldered entirely on a contractor to to price. Um, it's it's about sharing it, sharing the risk and sharing the reward. Um, I was just going to say that we see some kind of additional contract mechanisms sometimes in this type of contract to help incentivize um, success. So, for example, I worked on an alliance in the UK um, where there was a contractual schedule, as we're all familiar with. Um, that held true, that was the contractual schedule, but there was also something called an alliance schedule, um, which was a, 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 you know, getting to a completion date much quicker. And should the contractors achieve that alliance schedule, they were actually incentivized with additional, basically cash incentives to finish earlier and, and everybody kind of got some of the benefit from that. So that's the fundamental principle of an alliance contract. Well, that sounds nice. <laughs> that's that's yeah that's 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 much better yeah you it's know definitely, I mean, yeah sorry go ahead like it's not well it's not it's it's i mean you know you can't really do you know profit share like i mean it, it's a, the, the the word that's going through my head is it's kind of like a profit sharing model with employees in a in a in a, in a, in a company right except that in this case obviously it's not pro, no no one's making money this is all just expense at, at, at this stage but 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 it it, it adds that element of uh, of having a of having a benefit you know if you save us costs by getting done earlier you know everyone's going to benefit from that it isn't just coming back to it isn't just coming back to the owner necessarily right absolutely yeah absolutely yeah. and often we see in alliances using a uh target cost contract methodology so that you know if the contractor finishes above you know it, there's different percentages that you could apply but for example if they finished under budget by you know a hundred thousand dollars you might split that a hundred thousand dollars equally between the client and the contractor and likewise if they overspend then that overspend is is sort of shared um and the additional nuance of the alliance is you would have a designer in there. So you, again, theoretically have designers that are designing to make the contractors or help the contractors be successful. Um, so they're working together rather than people kind of um, perhaps designing for their own best interests or their own commercial position without thinking about the impact to a contractor. Interesting. And that's and that's been now, is that something that's been happening in Canada or uh, or or is, is this something we're still waiting to get over here from the... Yeah, uh, definitely. So in terms of alliance specifically, which is different um, from the progressive design build, which I think we'll probably talk about next, but alliance mm -hmm. specifically. So the first alliance contract was awarded um, via Metrolinx on the USAP project here locally in Toronto. So that's the Union Station Expansion Project um, is the first alliance in Canada. And that was signed a couple of years ago. I don't have the date to hand, but um, it's it's relatively new and it is the first one of its kind in Canada. Um, although from that, we are starting to see some interest in the industry of, of perhaps doing more alliances, but that's the first one. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I um, and and one of uh, one of our good friends of the uh, of the magazine and 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 one of our listeners, uh, uh, Ferguson Newdorth in uh, in uh, Beamsville, did um, some of the work on the uh, the train station there. That there's a there's a big one. Now this was a way back. I, this was probably before what you're talking about. Uh, but they they did um, the 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 glass and the sort of the frosted white canopy that's over the whole uh, platform uh, loading area now. Um, they they did some work on that and I and I remember cover something that but that was that was years ago uh, so this is probably another phase or something that you're talking about let's let's move on to uh, the other the other one I, I I didn't know much about progressive design and build what are we talking about there Michelle 
Yeah, definitely. So it's a kind of a similar approach in the sense that it's based on being a little bit more collaborative um, between parties and, and um, you know, shouldering some of the risk a little bit more um, between the parties. Um, but it's not the same concept that everybody's sort of signing up to a singular alliance contract the way we just talked about. Um, so the way that a progressive design builds generally work is um, a client would hire a contractor or a consortium of contractors um on a sort of high level scope um, and really the main evaluation is more around technical capability um, there is some cost elements obviously there's pricing but it's, it's more focused on technical capability and collaborative approach um, and once that contractor is on board then collaboratively the client and the contractor um, work to develop the design develop the scope of work um, often in stages and then as those stages are agreed the contractor would then go and price that individual stage um, so the benefit of this from a contractor's perspective is you're not trying to price um, scope that's not you know, particularly well-defined, for example, and it's also reducing sort of how long you're trying to um, estimate the market for. So, you know, if you can imagine you're bidding a 10-year long project before COVID hits, you know, nobody would have allowed for COVID in, in their estimates. But in this uh, methodology, because it's staged, um, the pricing you're provided is often for a shorter duration, so there's a little bit more certainty in the pricing um, as you as you go along and develop the scope. Oh yeah, that's I can see I can see where that would definitely be uh, be be better, especially on a, on a on a big design build project or something with multiple phases, because so often the contractors are um, uh, uh, you know my guys are 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 asked to um, you know yeah like you're saying say what it's going to cost uh, way out ahead. And then and then things change and 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 designs change. Actually, I was I was just at a um, I was just at a conference they, where they were talking about renovating the uh, uh, center block of Parliament, and uh, and and you know this is just this massive long involved thing that goes on. And they you know they're talking about they they, they had everything they had everything ready to go and they and, and they get out there and you know there's there's ten design changes hitting them you know a week while they're while they're trying to get the actual work done. And, uh, and, you know, th these are the kind of things that if you had a, if you had a more staged out process and, and things could be priced sort of as you go along, um, yeah, I can see where, I can see where that would work better. Is that the general idea? That, yeah, that's exactly it. It's interesting you bring up Centerblock because actually Turner and Townsend is supporting PSPC on the Centerblock project out of our Ottawa office. Oh, no so kidding. something we're, we're like quite close to. Yeah, so that's a, a small world moment. But um, that that's exactly the point. You know, you think about even inflation is a really good example of, you know, if you ask a contractor to price inflation for a project that's 10 years long, for example, um, nobody knows obviously there's uh, experts who have an idea of what it might be but nobody knows exactly what it will be um and also it's a risk of, of having a much higher price right because contractors want to make sure that they're not short um if inflation exceeds what they might think um so this theoretically should get to maybe a truer price um for the work to be done because you're you're not having to price in as much of the risk factor um and also the risk is more shared between the parties so so rather than saying the contractor owns all the risk and go and price it um there's there's a little bit more share between the parties hmm. now and i i guess that the the question sort of answers itself i i you know i was going to say you know what why why now like why would these be starting to get more popular Are people talking more about these sort of different uh approaches to contracts and projects uh now but but obviously uh 
you know, COVID would have driven some uh, uh, looking at different things. Um, and then obviously inflation, like, I don't know how many people got got caught in situations where that, you know, they had contracts, they had commitments to deliver things. And, uh, and then prices suddenly went sideways on them one way or the other. And, uh, and, and right. there was a, a lot of difficulty that way. And then, um, yeah, just I, I guess just controlling that stuff, right, is, is, is why people are starting to look at this, these sorts of things. Yeah, I think that's that's a, a really significant part of it is that the market conditions over the last few years, exactly as you said, are, are perhaps more volatile than we've seen over the preceding years. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that maybe lends itself to this type of um, contracting in itself. And I think the other um, factor is particularly in infrastructure, we're seeing projects that are much bigger, much more complex, much higher value, much longer in length. And so to bid something like a LRT scheme um, as a essentially fixed price is is a really difficult undertaking. Um, and, and the more complex and, and bigger these projects get, the more difficult it becomes to, to use that type of methodology. Um, and I think there was also some feedback from the market that where we are right now, um, the contracting market wasn't as interested in in bidding those projects the way they had in preceding years. So I think that's also um, encouraged this change to a slightly different approach for the the bigger projects. Yeah, I I I, I love that point because it 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 is something. It's a shift. Uh, well, I don't know if it's a shift, but I I just think it's been a uh, it's a trend in uh, in 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 Canada that that getting the especially specialized contractors, right? Like, like, and especially, um, you know, like specialized commercial glazing contractors who, who are really capable of the complicated stuff um, is becoming more and more difficult. And there's, there's, there's fewer and fewer players who are able to execute mm. these kinds of things. And, um, and so I, I, I don't want to say the tails wagging the dog. It, it, it isn't, but, uh, but the, there's, there's a little more, how would I put it? Grounds for 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 the contractors and not just glass, but everywhere to to, to go back and say, you know what, uh, we're 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 not we're not going to be involved with this if we don't have some mechanism that's you know protecting us and sharing risk and giving everybody a fair shake. You know, it's uh, there's been a bit of a there's a, almost a a little trend in the business there. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that that balance between, you know, you we probably don't want to be in an environment where, you know, the clients feel they have all the power and can, you know, bid anything in the way that they wish and vice versa. We don't, you know, maybe want it, that the contractors feel that way. Mm. I think a balanced approach is ideal for everybody, right? So yeah. if if these methodologies help to bring that balance about, I think it's good yeah. to the industry as a whole. Yeah, yeah. It really, it really is. It actually is very helpful in it and and you know. Believe it or not, contractors, everybody's happier when everyone works together and and makes money. So it's <laughs> Yes, yeah, exactly. That ultimate success, I think that's the the long-term goal for everybody. So anything that helps us get there, I think is something worth uh, worth thinking about. Yeah. We've got um let's talk a bit about um um I guess the actual uh I guess the actual one of the things that was in the was in the article was uh, quite a bit of talk about uh, data, uh, data collection, data management, um, how you deal with uh, with the information that you have and the information you collect. I guess 
Um, uh, Michelle, how does that dovetail into all of this? What what what's uh, I guess I guess what's uh, uh, Turner and Townsend's uh, uh, thoughts on, uh, on 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 data collection and management as as it relates to project management? Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, so, you know, taking a step back, so, you know, my expertise being specifically focused on project controls, really, you know, I think about data as a sort of Venn diagram, if you can kind of visualize, you know, cost, risk, and schedule, the three that everybody kind of knows and, and thinks about, and those overlapping with scope and reporting, really in the kind of middle of, of, of all of those um, categories. Um, and I think with particularly with these types of contracting methodologies, the amount of data um, that will be available, that needs to be available, um, is, is going to be exponentially more than in some of the more traditional methodologies where it was sort of closed book reporting, financial reporting from a contractor's perspective, um, and, and um, perhaps not a lot of performance data available because, again, it, it was maybe in an environment where, you know, the contractors were let off to go deliver the scope which they had bid and it was kind of their responsibility to go and deliver it when we're thinking about it as you know really collaboratively trying to deliver projects together between client or contractor or client contractor and designer um those data points around schedule performance, where we are from a cost perspective, um, you know, what we spent to date, what our forecast is, all of those data points that um, weren't necessarily, some of them certainly were, but not all of them necessarily um, shared and recorded um, between parties before. Um, in these methodologies, they really need to be because of what's going on on the ground. And we need to be able to analyze things that are maybe not going so well, try to predict we sort of end up, if you will, from a maybe cost and schedule perspective. Um, and so I think that's, that's really the fundamental of, of the article is, is how valuable, how much more valuable, I should say, that data becomes when we're looking at this type of contracting methodology. Okay, cool. Um, Barb, the uh, 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 collecting data and uh, and doing communications uh, with uh, contractors can be uh, can can be challenging. Um, do you uh, uh, what what do you see as uh, as challenges that a contractor might have uh, trying to uh, 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 trying to meet these sort of data expectations as they're delivering their projects? Yeah, I mean, definitely from a data perspective, there are a lot of different uh, factors to consider. Um, you know, we're seeing in a lot of these major projects increasing use of technology uh, such as drones and uh, scanning scanning technology, which then uh, provide a lot of data points, um, which can then be fed into a system and modeling. And that can really help uh, with communications and keeping mm -hmm. stakeholders uh, informed. Uh, obviously on some of the large projects that Turner and Townsend is working on, um, some of the natural resources ones, for example, that we, we use this technology, um, it's a collaboration between the contractor, the client, Turner and Townsend. So it's, a, it's a truly uh, building on that, creating that alliance and that collaboration collaborative approach, which is really what's different uh, about this particular approach in comparison to what we've seen in, in the past. Um, right. So you would help these I mean, guys, that... you would help these guys like, like to say, okay, 
this is the kind of information you want to be sort of streaming along as you as you go along through the project. And and if part of it was, well, let's say we need updates on the on the on the the stages of the projects and 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 maybe some some pictures. I'm just I'm thinking right. about the drones now, you know, like and 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 you could get like, you know, weekly or whatever, you know, shots of the job site and have that as a as a file somewhere that everybody can look at and see progress. Is that an example of the kind of thing that people would do? That's absolutely an example of what we're doing um, on projects. And you can see that in real time. So everyone has the same information. There's no confusion whatsoever. And uh, then you can have really constructive discussions about perhaps um, some deficiencies or areas of concern for any reason. You could even scan um, pieces if it's been fabricated offsite, for example, in China before it's even shipped to the Canadian uh, market to put to construct. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, definitely you can scan it in, and then they can take that model and put it with the model of the current. Uh, a shell or whatever they're building in Canada and make sure it fits properly. So it really provides a, another level of data collection and the use of data that we haven't really seen uh, before. And in construction, it tends to have a perception that they're not so they're not up to date with technology as in or not as to the same extent as other markets. But you know we're really challenging that uh, and turning it on its head to say hey guys this this is an opportunity to not only look at the financial data points of a project but the actual um, project itself and combine everything to give a holistic approach and everyone is very clear on the project status at any point in time well i i, I love that point because i was just in a conference yesterday um and uh you know the economist was talking and um, painting a, a, a variety of uh, of dark pictures uh, about um, not 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 the the really the economy coming up, but but sort of a, a down the road picture of uh, of 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 where growth and 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 where our our sort of our our unfunded liabilities for demographic change and stuff like that is going to happen in this country and in this industry, and um, and and you know sort of the key point that they that they were arriving at was there has to you know some form of productivity growth in the construction industry would be a would be a a, a massive help and 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 the canadian construction industry i'm afraid um historically and notoriously has been uh, uh one of the least productive uh they, our, our productivity rates you know vis-a-vis -vis investment are, are are very bad um and 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 have grown very slowly uh, and so, you know, maybe this is an example of something that could, um, you know, that could that could kind of spur companies to, you know, do more with less and 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 realize some some better benefits without, you know, just necessarily having to spend more and work harder. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. That's well. It's it, it's 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 nice to have a you know concrete examples of because you know, everybody goes, oh, productivity. We need to get more productive. Well, where does that come from? You know, well, you know, here's an example. You know, what about managing your data better? What about having a more seamless, uh, a more seamless transmission of information from yourself uh, uh, back to your 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 client, the the general contractor, right? So, I think that's pretty good. Michelle, back to you. Another um, another one that I had uh, I picked out of the 
uh, out of the copy was uh, integrated project controls. I, I think maybe Barb and I have touched on that a little bit, but uh, is that the same thing as what we're talking about or is is that a larger term that there's more to say about? Yeah, I think I think it builds certainly on on what you were just saying. I think you know the way that I view integrated controls is making sure we have kind of the process, procedure, and systems for each of the individual controls functions so that they're working together as one. Right. So what we don't want is a somebody who's a schedule expert having a really great understanding of what's happening on site in terms of productivity, as you were just saying, um, or, you know, uh, uh, long lead items being delivered, that type of thing, but that that person doesn't have a connection point with the cost person who's, who's you know, needs to understand that in, er in order to be updating forecasts or doing budget changes or that kind of thing. So that's, that's one element of that, that integration, but I think it's also the systems piece. So that the, the technology bit of having a system that ensures integrity of data that can map data against, you know, a, a coding structure so that we're talking about, um, you know, again, if we're talking about productivity in a certain location of a project, we can look at the cost related to that, we can look at the risk related to that. Um, and, and the other thing that I think is really important, and this is something that that TNT does a lot on our commissions is actually that initial setup, because I think um, one of the challenges projects and companies have is sometimes we get going down the road um, and we're, we're building and we're trying to report information, but we haven't actually thought about what do we want to report? What are the outputs? How does it um, integrate together and making sure that we build process and procedure and system that that does that. Um, so starting from the beginning and kind of getting it right from the start rather than getting halfway through a project and going, actually it would be really helpful if we had been tracking this This particular um, item or you know location on a weekly basis, how much more helpful would that information be to us halfway through the project? So um, I think that that setup um, function is really key to the successful integ integration of controls throughout the life of a project. Yeah, yeah, and and on a on a on a on a more uh, a more specific uh, level of that, uh, less less. Uh, uh, high end than you guys are used to dealing with I, another story out of this conference yesterday that occurred to me when i was listening to that you're talking about um you know uh, uh scheduling and design and project managers and then and then you know maybe talking to procurement you know and, and maybe maybe that doesn't always happen and and they're not always they're not always communicating with each other uh that a, a guy was telling a story about um uh some uh, home builder uh, got his uh, he, he got his architects and his procurement people together on a retreat, and and he and he goes to the architects. What's the standard? What what's the standard or the or the the, the most standard size of living room we're we're, we're building these days? And the, the architects say, oh, fourteen by thirteen. Yeah, that's but you know that's 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 normal, right? And then he goes and he looks over at the procurement guys. He goes, what's the standard? Uh, what what's the least expensive? <laughs> Uh, uh, size of uh, flooring of, of carpet that we can buy, right? What's the dimensions on the carpet that are standard that, that at least expensive we got? 14 by 12. <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect story to illustrate you know, the benefit of everything that we're talking about in terms of that collaboration and sharing of data and information, because exactly, people can make decisions that are really good in the one lens that they're looking at it. Um, but unless we have 
kind of a suite of information and stakeholders involved in that, um, we don't see it from all the other lenses and it, it may not be the right the right decision overall. Yeah, I wish I could credit the guy who had that story, but I can't remember now. But anyway, that was it. That was it. That, that was it. That that was a good one. Um, so what? Um, if you're if you're a let, let's say you're uh, you, you're you're one of our listeners today. You're a, you're you're a glazing contractor. Uh, you haven't really been involved in one of these um, larger uh, uh, projects that that might have a lot of these complicated. Um, or, or seemingly complicated uh, uh, requirements for for extra data, extra transparency, extra integration with the with the rest of the project team. Um, what what would your advice, Michelle, be to them to uh, to try to manage this and uh, and and make it work for them? Yeah, definitely. So I think, yeah, certainly if, if there are people who or companies that are interested in, in getting into that environment, I think the benefit of being a subcontractor um, who is able to provide, you know, some of these kind of key data points that we've talked about um, if you're already set up to do it I think you know you sort of hit the ground running and and you show that technical capability to a GC I think that's to your benefit um, but it's interesting because I, I you know I've had so many discussions over my, my career with um, people or companies who aren't necessarily working on these mega projects and say well do I need project controls why do I need it I'm not you know this whatever value project um, and I think Although the level or the complexity or the sort of amount, let's say, of project controls that we would do on a 10-year plus, you know, transit program or something like that, you know, I don't think that exact same scale applies to, um, you know, a smaller subconsultant. But the fundamental um, concepts of project controls are beneficial to almost any project you work on. So unless it's a, it is a bit of a sliding scale. So if you know, you've got a month long project or a very small dollar value, it, you probably are not gonna get a huge amount of value from this. But um, anything a little bit more significant, there's there's still those fundamental principles that can, can be applied in a, a little bit more simplistic ma manner maybe. Um, that just gives the, again, going back to data, but gives the, the high quality data to the decision makers within the companies to understand how they're progressing, um, you know, whether or not they're, they're um, you know, on target based on what they've assumed within a bid, for example, um, and giving them an idea of where they're trending to, all of that that enables um, early management intervention and really informed management decisions. I think any company can can uh, benefit from that, if you see what I mean. So uh, it's a bit of a sliding scale, but I think really, unless it's a really minor project, there is there is benefit to looking at some of the principles of project controls and, and integrating it into your business. Yeah, agree entirely. I um, it's uh, I do a lot of work with um, a, a group uh, that that does, I guess what you would call it, like a quality certification program for contractors that are able to, um, you know, put their stamp of approval on a on a, on a best practices system and a whole audited. Uh, you know, a quality system for your, it, it's, it's, well, I guess it's like ISO, but it's, it's actually, it's actually kind of more uh, and you get more help okay. and, and, and what, you know, and, and a lot of it's about this, right. It's about, it's about getting organized and understanding what's going on in your business and, and having the information uh, sort of laid out in a, in a structured way so that you know what's going on. And, uh, and, and the funny thing that comes out of that is that the, the people that get involved with it, 
realize all these benefits that they didn't really expect to be there right like they didn't even they, mm-hmm. they weren't they, they thought you know oh you know okay I'll, I'll find out i'm wasting a few cents over here on a, a a nail that i don't need but you know it's no there's 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 a larger benefit to 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 really understanding and being and being organized for what you're going on maybe barb you can can you talk to that a little bit what 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 is the experience of uh, that, that i guess you've seen uh through your involvement that 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 um companies get when they when they get more involved with this stuff and start to uh start to look more closely at their at their project management their data management on the construction sector yeah i mean construction management project management is absolutely critical to keep any uh project on track right and i guess it depends on the type of project to what the requirements are um certainly you have i mean you have to look at at the whole approach uh from financial to see uh, to construction and especially when you have different contractors because if you have different contractors at different stages you need to make sure that it all comes together, it makes sense because you can't have someone doing one part of the work and not connecting up later. So uh, the the role of uh, project uh, management, construction management is really important to make sure that everything connects up together, that everything at the end of the day will work uh, as well as keeping it on, uh, on time and on budget, right? So uh, having that control, having, maintaining the views of what's happening at each stage, making sure each contractor is doing what they, what they were uh, contracted to do within the, within the time frame. I mean, it, it, it's all um, extremely important. What do your clients say, Barb? Are they happy they hired you guys or do they, uh, do they, do they wish it? Yeah. <laughs> 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 absolutely and we often save uh, our clients save well the savings that we provide to our clients often outweigh the fees that they pay to us it's definitely happened on numerous projects i should hope so that's right yeah, that's the absolutely. that's the that's the name of the game right yeah absolutely. yeah absolutely um Michelle uh, uh talk a bit about that uh, a bit about these 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 concepts the data management and the uh and the integrated project management from the perspective of the of the subcontractor I mean obviously the the, the big project management job is is up at the GC level but but where where, where does a subcontractor gonna gonna I guess be able to participate in some of this yeah, definitely. I mean, I think what what we will start to see, particularly, um, you know, if if these contracting types uh, sort of continue to grow, I guess, in the market, and and you know, if they they sort of expand a little bit in their usage, but I think what we'll start to see is that that the general contractors will will start to understand the data requirements and start to build data requirements in these collaborative discussions with the client and and the benefit to them to having subcontractors who can meet those requirements fairly easily. Um, I think that's a really good selling feature, as I say, even though it will help the subcontractors themselves no matter what kind of projects you're working on. um, I think if you can meet that requirement for for the GCs, it, it makes life kind of that much pass through of data um, kind of needs to go full cycle, if you will. So from subcontractors through the GC to, to the client so that we've got that consistent pull through of, of all the data points. Um, 
So it, it, you know, will be become a requirement, particularly for a subcontractor who's providing, uh, again, a sort of longer scale service um, um, or a higher value service or complex service through a GC on some of these projects. Yeah, and I liked your point earlier too about about if you if you have some of these capabilities or some of this understanding in place, um, you're 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 sort of ahead of the curve, as you know, because when you know when when some new p3 project uh pops up and you know you 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 think you might want to take a shot at it and 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 get in the mix um you know if you've if you've kind of done your research and uh and 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 gotten uh gotten up to speed and 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 are able to collect some of that information and and know how to use it and know how to integrate it into the into the project management process you're going to be uh you're you're going to just be ahead of the curve even at the bid stage right yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think it's an opportunity. It's, it's, you know, it's a, a an upskill type thing, right? Mm -hmm. of, of, you know, as a business grows, and as I say, if if the scale or value or complexity of what a subcontractor is providing to a GC um, is kind of increasing, that growth in business comes with a lot of different things that the the business needs to learn. And to me, controls is one of them that, you know, the bigger you get, the more controls becomes a, a more fundamental principle. So if you can sort of have somebody on board or start to understand those fundamentals at an earlier stage, you get the business benefit of it. But then if, if you are making the business decision that you want to get involved in some of these bigger programs where the, the data requirement will be more significant than perhaps um, somebody is used to, if you've got the fundamentals in place it's not a huge step if you see what I mean to start providing mm -hmm. some more data but if you're kind of starting from zero um, there there's a big learning curve to, to, to kind of understand that and get to that level quite quickly there certainly is a ton here that uh, that that can't be uh, all covered in uh, in in one conversation like this uh, Barb where do uh, where do people get a hold of you guys uh, if they want to find out more yeah, so actually, uh, Turner & Townsend has offices across Canada in uh, Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Ottawa, Toronto, and Montreal. Mm -hmm. So you feel free to reach out to uh, one of our offices. Uh, we do have our website, turnerandtownsend.com, uh, where you can find all that information. Um, or you can just... Uh, email or call in just if you if you google us uh and you know more than welcome uh feel free to ask for michelle or myself and we'll happily uh guide uh your listeners to the most appropriate uh person michelle throssell barb hooley turner and townsend thank you so much for joining me today thank, thank you, you very much, much patrick thanks for listening to the hammer you can find episodes online at CanadianContractor.com or subscribe on your favorite podcasting service. The Hammer is presented by Canadian Contractor Magazine.